Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nice and we asked and the cycling gods delivered to Benji and I just a cruisy, boring breakaway stage. This Torino Adriatico Stage 6 recap from Castel Raimondo Tilido di Fermo and 169Ks, Rolly Parkour in the first 80Ks or so and then bit of a flat section, some like 5Ks, 3.5% climbs, just leg sappers, then a circuit around Lido di Fermo doing, uh, um, yeah, again, another leg sapper of about 2Ks, 3 to 4%, nothing too crazy. And let's be honest, the peloton decided to take today off. Before we get into that, I want to mention... Our show partner, LaCole, www.lecol.cc. You'll know them from last year when they came on for the Giro and the Vuelta. Well, for the classics coming up soon, we've got some pretty big news that LaCole are organizing for us. Maybe some special guests, maybe even people that have ridden the classics and allegedly might know more about riding cobbles than us. Although, I mean, how would you rank your cobbled tier status, Benji? Like, are you a cobbled connoisseur? Like, what is your official title? I don't know. I think that <laughs> there should be a title for it. But, like, all jokes aside, I'm not actually that knowledgeable when it comes to cobbles. I think it's just in our okay. blood as, as Flemish people that we are force-fed cobbled knowledge in the first years of school. And every single day we, we have to select a cobble section and talk about it with a presentation at school, give it a one-hour presentation about the Autoquatamont. And I think because of that, every single day doing that, that is how the knowledge was built. And yeah, it's not really my credit. It's the school system in Belgium that is enforcing yeah. these rules. So uh, thank you very much for uh, doing that instead of learning me to pay my taxes properly. So uh, thank you. <laughs> That's like school system says if Philip Schilbert attacks on the cobbles with 40Ks, you must follow. It's the rules. Anyway, enough <laughs> ribaldry. This is a serious podcast for serious people. Stage 6 of Trino Adriatico. Breakaway went pretty early. Simone Velasco for Gazprom. Jan Bacalans. You'll know his name well for Intermarche. Wanty Gobert. This was their chance, Benji, to win a World Tour race this year. It's their one chance. Madsworth Schmidt. For Israel Startup Nation in the green jersey. What is the green jersey yes. in Italian Imagine. races? Because it's not the points. KOM, because well, Pogacar is wrong. fast, he was second. Okay. <laughs> Brent Van Muron, Lotto Sedal, Nelson Oliveira. You'll know him actually reasonably well, a bit of an engine. He's the guy that bridged, I think, Soler across in one of the moves in the Vuelta and in the Emilish Leipinch for Trek Segafredo. So a couple of engines. A lead-out man for Caleb Ewan, who abandoned, and a couple of quick guys, Mads Schmidt 
and Lapinge. Do you know much about Velasco, Benji? I remember him being a, a climber more than an actual sprinter, but I could be completely wrong about this. I know that he was actually quite good in the past. I think he won like Waglia at one point in his career. Was it last year or 2019? 2019 he won uh, like Waglia. So that's not exactly the easiest race to win and definitely against the competition that was there. Um, actually, the competition wasn't that great that year in that race. Nah. No, it's nowhere near what it was these days. Nicola Bajoli, <laughs> the strongest so ever this year. not the other Bajoli. So Breda was third. So yeah, that says a lot about the competition. Not saying that these riders are bad. Saying that these riders aren't the likes of, uh, yeah, the competition that did it this year. Like, I think Bernal was here at Mike Weglia this year. So, crazy star list for all the races in February. But, yeah, this breakaway, I think that the names that I see in that that have an opportunity at doing something as if this break makes it. Because looking at the parkour, there's some hills in the parkour. But that parkour is not exactly the parkour that you would say, oh, this guy's going to drop everybody on this hill. It's going to be a bit of a tactical thing on the hills and perhaps if they make it and actually work together it might end up in a group sprint but that will all depend on whether the peloton would do something now if these dudes would finish the stage and fight for it then i would be looking at the likes of a Inos Lippens with a sprint he was the guy that bennett had trouble with in development and bennett actually got the queued in that stage because of what he did to Lippens in that stage and I think I would also look at Mats Wojtschmidt because he also has a bit of a sprint in that group. For the rest, Jan Bakelans has a punch, a bit more of a hilly rider, but the last few years he's not been on that level. The point of this stage is that the peloton decided to take the day off. They let the gap get out to a lot. Three, four minutes kept growing. And I think that was due to yesterday being so hard. It was brutal. And MVP went deep, so he didn't really care about today's stage, it seemed. Wout van Aark was um, also buckled. Pegacha and UAE were happy with their 1 minute 12 lead on Wout van Aert. And who else was a contender? I guess Kofidis with Viviani, Ballerini for Quickstep, Ewan's no longer here for Lotus Sedal. So there's really only Quickstep and Kofidis that were real candidates. And Quickstep were pacing with Steve and they kept pacing later, but I just don't think they were into it. Alaphilippe was tired and just it's not just the leaders who are tired. It's the lead-out men and the domestiques. They are tired and cold after yesterday too. But anyway, the big, I think the big thing that happened in this today's stage, Benji, was Simon Carr when he crashed into some unsignaled road furniture. Very, very dangerous. And he's lucky not to be, well, I don't know. Have you heard any news about his condition, Benji? Because he like spun around at 50 k's an hour. Yeah, he spun around at 50 k an hour, and he hit that hard, uh, that sign pretty hard. Uh, I, f- I think that he went on the bike relatively quickly. I don't think it looked like he hit his head or anything, so that's the good part, I think. But the rest of his body hit that sign completely on the floor as well afterwards. Um, I found it funny how the, uh, the RCS dude who came out of the car to take a look at him, was like, I'm going to take 20 seconds to uh, put my mask on and then I'm going to take a look at <laughs> at Simon Carter. Good that he put his mask on, but he could have done it a lot quicker than that. <laughs> but um, all in all, I think the point we're so trying to make here that. is that unsignaled road furniture should not be there and definitely not in a circuit race. Now, this was just before the circuit started, I think. So yeah. you can't say, oh, this is in the circuit part, but... 
in the circuit part, the exact same thing was happening. I think only a few parts were actually signaled. So that shouldn't be the case and definitely not in a race organized by some high-end organizer like RCS. They should be able to fix that and make sure that their races are safe for the riders that are riding it. And that's not the case here, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, UCI banning hugs for riders that are in a bubble tested against each other and you're not even brave enough to come out in your press release and directly say it's for optics and then you got nothing addressing unsignaled road furniture which seriously injured Greg Van Avermaet last year in Liège, Benji, I think it might have been and now Simon Cast could have got pretty badly hurt too. It's not fucking good enough so... I guess the riders and teams and hopefully the new union can keep putting them putting them under pressure to focus on the things that are important, which are unsafe finishes, which there's a lot which current breach the current rules. We don't even need new rules for the unsafe finishes. We just need them to be in force and then unsignaled road furniture. But anyway, Peloton gave up. They stopped pacing at about 21Ks to go. The gap went out to 246. Stefan Kung was like, oh, can I do a Fabio Fellini yesterday and bridge across? Nope, he couldn't. It was two, you know, three minutes in 18K is a bit much. UAE were just soft pacing on the front. They couldn't care less about the breakaway. Alperson pulled for like a minute and they were like, nah. And it was very, very obvious the breakaway was going to win. Even DSM with three riders for Max Kanter could only bring it down to 220 with 10Ks to go. They then had this last climb, and as we said, the quickest man in the group was, or one of the two quickest men is Mills Leipinch. He's got top five in World Tour sprints before, and particularly in the UAE just recently, uh, behind Vanderpool in stage one, and he was dropping on that climb. Nelson Oliveira was pacing, the Movistar rider, just pacing, pacing, pacing all day, and Mansfeld Schmidt <laughs> paced after him. Bacalance and Vrind van Moor and Velasco weren't pulling through so much, but I think Musworth-Smith was pretty cognizant of the fact that uh, Leipinch was the biggest candidate to beat him in a sprint. Three Ks to go. The break's clearly going to win. Leipinch couldn't get back on, even though three of the group were playing a bit of cat and mouse, not pulling in the last 10 Ks. But in the flat, they pretty much did pull. Musworth-Smith... It was pretty clear to me if Israel Star Nation was soft pulling on the front with about two Ks to go. Nelson Oliveira, Benji, run me through his last two kilometers and what was going through his mind, the Movistar rider. I don't really know. He, um, <laughs> it felt like he was trying to do a lead out for somebody else throughout the entire last part. The ghost of Mark Soler. The entire stage he's been, <laughs> yeah, he... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, we know that Nelson Oliveira is a time trialist. He's got yeah. decent climbing abilities. He's yeah. pacing the entire day. And in the last two kilometers, he doesn't directly make a move. But leading into the last kilometer, he decides to make a move early, before the sprint, like just before the sprint. And we're not talking about 500 meters before the sprint, just before the sprint. So yeah. obviously Way everybody's going to follow him. Nobody's <laughs> going to be like, are playful, you need to close that down, everybody's going to try and close it down. And that is not going to give him anything. That is going to place the people that are reacting to him in the perfect spot, and that is Matt Switchman in second wheel. I think Velasco was pretty far down, I think, in fourth or fifth wheel. 
Brent van Meer, Moer, Brent, not, not Brent van Meer, um, in uh, third of fourth wheel. So uh, those were heading for the mass sprint. Well, mass yeah, sprint. Well, there was a left-hand of, corner. Uh, five people. And I think Backer Lance was on Masvert Schmidt wheel. Masvert Schmidt was second wheel, getting this lovely lead out. And Brent van Moer tried to come up and take that wheel off him. And Backer Lance said, nah, this ain't my first rodeo. And it was pretty much... Just a straightforward mano a mano five by five sprint with or four four by sprint with Elvera just leading them out. He leads them out through that last corner. But Masvert Schmidt did a really smart thing where he didn't open up his sprint too early. He was he was in the drops, like keeping tension in the correct gear, turning over the pedals. But he was looking over his left shoulder. No one could have gone up his right side because Oliveira was there in the barriers. And waiting to see who would attack first or snap first. And someone would think it might have been Velasco, Velasco or Bacalance. And the minute they got up to his back wheel, he kicked. Brent van Moor got a little bit of a draft out of him, but Madver Smith was too strong. And um, yeah, after a long day in the break, 200 meter plus sprint, no one came close to him. Madver Smith taking out a pretty big win, actually, uh, for Israel's start of nation. They're winning a little bit more already. Um, he came first, Brent van Moore second, Simone Velasco third, Bacalance fourth, and Nelson Oliveira fifth for his troubles. He can take solace in the fact that he beat Leipinch because he dropped him <laughs> on the climb with eight Ks to go. But Otherwise, a complete waste of time for him being in the break all day. Got no idea what he was doing. Uh, Merlier no beat Ballerini and Viviani uh, for the bunch kick into the line. Any other thoughts on this? Day Benji, lovely to have a breakaway win and a bit of a quieter day for once. Yeah, that's true. But also that um, it looks like Digital Startup Nation has a bit of a, yeah, they're pretty good at winning breakaway stage if nobody in the peloton cares <laughs> in the Giro they did it with Dowsett that's a skill though and today they do it with right Mats Schmidt. it's still a win it's still a win and it still is a deserving win like obviously it's not the most competitive win because like yeah the peloton just gave five men the opportunity of winning a stage in a world tour race but then again it's still a victory so I think you can't really blame anyone for that they can celebrate it as a win like like any other and I think it's a deserving win all despite because they wanted to win the stage and they did it I think that Fanat said he wanted to win one more stage in this Tireno yesterday and he didn't do it today and he's not going to do it tomorrow because Gano's going to win tomorrow so I um yeah there's not much else to say about today's stage I think I think that I like these breakaway battles but I also just enjoy watching the last kilometer of them because the rest is kind of you know it's going to end up in in this group fighting it out in the end and they did, so I'm glad they did. I'm glad these people enjoyed their their chance at a victory in Tirreno Adriatico. I'm also kind of disappointed in the group because they didn't do enough to not make it a sprint. If you're in the group with Mats Schmidt, you're going to try and drop him more, I think. You're going to yeah, try and get a bit nothing. of an attack in the last 10 kilometers. Nelson Oliveira, like we said it already. He did nothing, <laughs> and he decided to attack in the last no, 500 it, meters instead of like... Everyone listening, that. you might think we were just skipping stuff, being lazy today. No one attacked 
at all. It was just the final sprint. They didn't attack each other once, except for dropping Lapinj, who just dropped on the climb. So we we weren't leaving things out. But anyway, Masvert Schmidt said afterwards, I'm extremely happy after five years as a pro rider, I finally managed to win in the World Tour. It's incredible. On the last lap, I understood that we would make it, and with my breakaway companions, we cooperated until the final sprint. Brackets, I don't know why they did. They might have been a bit stupid to do so. End brackets. That's just from me, by the way. Back to him. I want to thank my team. <laughs> we came into this event with a plan to race in an aggressive way. And that's true. He went in the break on Prati Detivo. Yep. And, uh, that one didn't work out so well. But um, credit to him. It's a if you try multiple times. Pardon? Uh, he did try pretty long on Prati Detivo. And again, He's like you guy. were just about to say, if called. you try enough times, then he deserves to try and win yep. one in the end as well. And like... Obviously, I said it a bit jokingly that they're, they've got a bit of a, yeah, they just accidentally seem to win more of these stages that are given by the peloton, but in the end, it's a victory, and if the rest doesn't want to win, that's their problem, and not his. He got a victory in World Tour, and he should celebrate it, and I'm happy for him. I think he's a bit of a fan favorite in Denmark as well. I've been a, yeah. I've been a relative fan hard. of his time trial skills as well. So uh, Denmark, I'm happy for you. You're going to be happy. I think that Britain and and court everybody yesterday. that followed Gauss's panel was also happy uh, last year in the Giro. And indeed, Magnus scored yesterday, and so two in a row for Denmark. Um, I don't think it's going to be three in a row, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. Masvidal Schmitz beats Ganner in the TT tomorrow. Um, but Benji, <laughs> on that point, Wout van Aert, Alaphilippe, MVDP, Pagacha, MVDP, it is fucking hard to win a world tour level race in 2021. Yeah. And there's a lot of teams who will be pretty jealous of Israel's startup nation right now. We talk about the De Kernics, yes. Ineos, Jumbo, Visma, and I guess MVP Alperson a lot. There's 20, 21 world tour teams, 19, can't remember how many. They don't get a lot of press. So Intermarche had a big opportunity today. I think it's a shame Bacalance didn't try something to see if would they really chase him. But anyway, tomorrow's stage, the San Benedetto del Tronto TT 10Ks pancake flat uh, on the coast. Ooh. It's an out and back. They've done it a few times. Well, they, they always have it. They had it last year. Ghana destroyed the course <laughs> record. Coming out of lockdown and... Um, I mean, you don't need to tune into this podcast to realize that Ghana's the favorite. That being said, I'm going to have a look at Wow Fun Arts Oz a little bit just to see. Just have a look. <laughs> you think Maybe that, um, Ghana. You think that Ghana's going to beat the scores record of last year? No. No, he won't. Because okay. yet, yesterday was brutal. He was in the break. He did the course record last year coming out of perfect training, I assume, after lockdown. And um, he's not wearing the aero base layer anymore, which gives him 25%. <laughs> He'd be getting beaten by Jai Hindley without the aero, aero base layer. So, yeah. Not At least he's not wearing a laser helmet, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fuck, if you gave him that helmet. Whew, I guess Wout's got to carry that. What if Wout was wearing the cask, mate? He'd be... He'd beat the course record. <laughs> anyway, we've lost the plot. 
we'll see you all tomorrow for the Toronto Adriatico stage eight recap. <laughs> Should be pretty interesting. No, actually, pagacci has got. I mean, he can't make. He can't lose a minute twelve on this TT. So no one's the leader's jersey's not changing hands. Hope you enjoyed the pod. See you tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 